Welcome to the Two Boomer Women Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. I've been talking to boomer women for some time now. (laughs) If I think about it, I suppose I've been talking to boomer women most of my adult life. That continues with this podcast. However, there's something else going on at Two Boomer Women these days. Manly Monday. On the last Monday of each month, I'll present an episode wherein my guest is a man. A man with a message, we might say. Today is Manly Monday. Sit back, enjoy, and let me know what you think. Welcome to the Two Boomer Women Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. It's the last Monday of the month, which means, drum roll please, uh, it's Manly Monday. Before we get started, I want to tell you that when I explained Manly Monday to today's guest, he grinned and said, so it's monthly man day, and I may still use that. I think it's brilliant. A month or so ago, I was shopping in a store I really like, but it's outside my usual routine, so I only go there from time to time. I was browsing around the natural food supplements department because I didn't know where things were when a clerk came up and asked if I needed help. I explained what I was looking for, the clerk took me to the exact display, and thus a conversation was launched. About 15 minutes later, I asked this young man, so almost the polar opposite of a boomer woman, if he'd come on the Two Boomer Women podcast. Keenan Fiddler, thank you for saying yes, and welcome to the Two Boomer Women podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very, uh, I'm very happy to be here. Now, just so my listeners don't think I've invited just any young man on podcast for vital information, please explain your credentials and what attracted you to the field of holistic nutrition. So I'm a holistic nutritionist by trade. I have a diploma of holistic nutrition from Pacific Rim College in Victoria. I'm accredited with the Canadian Association of Natural Nutritional Practitioners or the C-A-N-N-D. And I just... I got into this because I wanted to to help people. It's amazing what food can actually do for someone uh, when you get into the nitty gritty of it and when you have someone to teach you. And and we'll, we're going to get into that shortly. But just to begin, I'm not sure if you remember our first conversation because I know you only deal with umpteen customers a day. I had had quite extreme consequences to a really strong antibiotic at Christmas and a probiotic had really helped me. Now, at the same time as that was going on, a good friend was experiencing gut issues that he couldn't resolve. Many in my circle seemed to think gut issues were a fact of life as we aged. Your response to that comment was a maybe yes, maybe no. Can you tell us more about gut issues as we get over 50? Yeah, so it's kind of an interesting thing. The gut issues that happen as we get over 50 are often a result of gut issues that we had when we were under 50. So. The, the things you tend to see like Crohn's, colitis, irritable bowel uh, syndrome or diseases as well, diverticulitis, all those, all those fun and scary kinds of diseases and names, they often start from uh, issues that we had when we were younger. So uh, if you have an imbalance of bad gut bacteria when you're 30 or 40, and then it just kind of progresses and we don't really notice it, we write it off as gas or bloating or just, you know, overall just you know, unpleasant feeling and we chalk it up to, oh, it's, it's gas. Everybody has gas. And then it progresses until we hit 50, 60, 70. And then we're like, oh, the the body says I've had all I can stand and I can't stand no more. And then it just kind of 
progresses into this full-blown issue. Hmm, okay, that's good to know, because just in terms of nagging our children, uh, but uh, but also just the fact that it's not always, like, once you're over 50, it's just not a, a given. Now, my issues last winter were remedied really quickly with a probiotic, and some of the research I did at the time suggested that a probiotic was a good supplement to be on, maybe even regularly or often, if not permanently. In our conversation at the store, you mentioned prebiotics, which I hadn't heard of. Can you explain prebiotics, probiotics, antibiotics? I don't know. Are there any other biotics we need to be aware of? And what's going on in your gut, in our uh, gut? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so starting with the, the probiotics. So probiotics are the good gut bacteria that we normally get on an that we normally have in our guts at any given moment. Fun fact, we're actually mostly made of bacteria. We have more bacterial DNA in our gut or in our body than we do human DNA. So it's, it's about 10 to one. So we're all, you know, these, <laughs> these walking cities of germs that, you know, just think for ourselves. It's kind of, it's kind of interesting when you dive into it, but, you know, going back to probiotics, it, if you break it down, it just literally, literally means like pro good and then biotic or living things. So it's the good living things inside your gut that help you make things. So 90% of the serotonin in our body is made in the gut, right? Serotonin is a neurotransmitter. It's in charge of, you know, uplifting mood and everything like that. That's mostly found in the gut. Our B12 that we get every day is not necessarily just from the food or a supplement. It's also found in the gut and we have bacteria in there. If we have a good, healthy system that makes B12 for us. So, you know, that's, that's a small, a very small example of what happens in the gut or what good probiotics are. Prebiotics are the food that you give to good gut bacteria to make them grow and replicate and to allow them to be, just allow them to grow and flourish. You know, you, you want to make sure you're feeding your good gut bacteria something useful. Otherwise, they're just going to die off or get replaced with something that's not as helpful. You had, uh, so I'm just yeah. going to interrupt. You had said at the time when you first mentioned prebiotics to me, you had said things like onions. And I was really excited because I have onions with every meal. What other prebiotics are there? I'm, yeah, I'm interrupting so, and you can go back to your other biotics, well, but no, no, absolutely. Uh, thanks for, for asking. It's basically anything with a good amount of fiber to it. So oh. flax, chia, onions, cabbage, just all these really, really fibrous things that we would normally have in our diet, even figs, all that kind of stuff. If you have something that's very, very fibrous and kind of starchy, a lot of the starches that we eat, especially something like celery, where it's very, very long and stringy, we can't digest those fibers, but the bacteria in our gut can. And so it's a particular fiber as well. That's very, very well studied on this. It's inulin. And that's, again, found in a lot of the, the skins of onions and all that kind of stuff, like the, the stringy bits in between the layers of onions. Okay. That's where a lot of the inulin is. And that's basically what our gut bacteria feeds off of. So that's, that would be the prebiotics. You can also take a supplement for it, but I also prefer to get it from, from natural food. It's a lot cheaper and uh, it's a lot better for you. But going um, back to the biotic talk, antibiotics are... You know, if probiotics are the good bacteria, then antibiotics is exactly what it sounds like. It gets rid of or cancels or eliminates 
bacteria or living things in, in the gut. So when you take it, a lot of times it doesn't discriminate between a certain bacteria and everything else in your gut because you've got, you know, billions and billions, of, almost trillions of uh, bacteria in your gut. This thing doesn't really discriminate. A lot of uh, antibiotics won't discriminate between what's good and what's bad. It just gets rid of everything. It wipes the slate clean and then it kind of lets your body kind of repopulate. But what ends up happening if we don't change the way we eat and what got us into that mess in the first place, then we just end up repopulating with more bad gut bacteria than we started with because we've now just cleaned the slate of any competition. And so that's where, that's where antibiotics come in and don't get me wrong. And I should say that none of this should be taken as medical advice. I'm, you know, a holistic nutritionist. I'm not your doctor. So absolutely consult a physician before, you know, doing anything to change your diet. So is it true that, sorry, I I keep on interrupting you. Oh, no. Is it true that like something for me, I had an abscessing tooth. So that would create the bad bacteria that Mm -hmm. the antibiotic was taken to attack, but it also took care of other, other good bacteria in my system. Absolutely. So if you took the antibiotic and it was an oral antibiotic, what ends up happening is that everything we eat goes to our gut first, and then it goes to the rest of the body. So if you took the oral antibiotic, it had its first effect in your stomach and in your lower intestine, then it got absorbed into the bloodstream and then it went to the tooth. Okay. So it would have done that cycle first. So our gut actually takes the most of the beating before anything happens. So that's why antibiotics can be so rough on the gut uh, in a normal sense. So the, that little tip alone yeah. is gold. <laughs> Thank you for that. I, you know, <laughs> you never problem. think about the fact, yeah, you take it orally and you think, oh, these little creatures are just going to go and attack whatever the inflammation is. But no, they take care of everything along the way as well. So Absolutely. Yeah. Was there anything else? Or did let, like I interrupted you there, but. No, no. Um, okay. So basically talking about, we talked about probiotics, prebiotics, antibiotics. The other biotics that we'd be talking about would just be other gut bacteria that aren't necessarily ones you want in your system. So you have gut bacteria that will process amino acids into something you don't want in your gut. And these are also all, you know, probiotic bacteria, but we've just fed them the wrong thing. And so we've developed ratios of bacteria that aren't conducive to a healthy gut. Okay. Now it seems more and more like the age I'm at, it didn't seem there was as much discussion 30, 40 years ago, but these days, there's a lot of discussion about the variety, a whole variety of gut issues. Um, there's IBS. You've mentioned some of them, IBS, gas, diarrhea, constipation. Uh, there's things like uh, celiac disease, I think you mentioned, colitis. And before I ask my next question, you've already said it once, but I'm going to emphasize to our listeners that your answers are general information and cannot and must not be construed as any sort of medical advice and should not replace personal consultation with a health professional. So for all of our listeners out there, you know, Keenan's been kind enough to come on and sort of give us an overview of a bunch of stuff, but he is not your doctor on a podcast. <laughs> he can t- take care of issues uh, privately, but, uh, but don't uh, think he's the be-all and end-all for your own personal issue without consulting uh, a doctor. Okay, so that said, usually I think gut issues seem to develop. We aren't born with them usually, probably some we are, 
and maybe you can clarify that, what are your suggestions for a healthy diet? And, you know, maybe start with young people, but then especially as we, we, as we reach middle age and older, what should we get lots of? What should we avoid for the most part? And can this help? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So to, to go with the first thing first, uh, you're right. Normally we aren't born with gut diseases. Now, there are some exceptions, of course, genetic components being, you know, a factor that we have to look at. But one of the big things we tend to inherit from our parents, other than the genetics, are the habits. So habits that we picked up from our parents as a kid, you know, eating habits. So uh, if you tend to eat standing up instead of sitting down, or you tend to eat stressed, or you tend to skip breakfast because your parents always skip breakfast, you know, these kinds of things always have an impact. And so I find when people say, oh, yeah, well, my mother had it or my father had it, you know, and so I'm going to get it. You didn't just inherit the blueprints for everything. You also inherited their habits that made those things arise. So I find, yeah, a lot of gut issues do start to develop. Now, don't get me wrong. They can start at a very young age. You know, you can develop lactose intolerance or something when you're young, when you're five years old, because you had a bout of diarrhea, you flushed out any and all gut bacteria that were, or enzymes that were meant to digest uh, milk products, that lactose sugar. So what ends up happening is that if we can't digest that lactose and that lactose sugar, because we lack the enzyme, the gut bacteria in our, in our bodies will say, oh, we'll do it for you. But the problem is when they digest that sugar, they create inflammation, they create pain, they create gas, bloating, all that unpleasant stuff that we normally get. And that's because the bacteria are doing it instead of us. So that's where stuff like lactose intolerance comes with. Celiac disease is something else that would be an actual allergy. So that's an allergy to wheat gluten and that causes inflammation in the gut. It causes the cell membrane, the very tight cell membrane that we have uh, in our gut. It causes that to separate. And then we had, end up with something called leaky gut syndrome, which leads to a whole bunch more sensitivities down the line. It's a suspicious cycle of, uh, of pain and suffering. And I don't wish it on my worst enemy. But for the most part, what I've seen, Crohn's, colitis, all of these are autoimmune diseases that develop when we've pushed our body to the limit with kind of unhealthy or less than optimal eating habits. And then it gets to a certain point, either it's a stressor or something traumatic happens in our life and the body goes, oh, that's the straw that broke the camel's back. Now we're going to go into this autoimmune pattern. We're going to go into this inflammation pattern where I've developed antibodies to attack my own cells, right? And that's kind of what an autoimmune condition is. It's the body reacting to itself and saying, now this is deemed bad, even though it's a part of me because the body is just freaking out. And it's just, a, and I, I tend to go on a, on a rant with these kind of things because it's, it's so interesting and I could talk for hours and hours and hours, but I don't think, uh, I don't <laughs> think we have the time for that. But, you know, to sum up is that the body develops these as we get older, right? It's never just kind of a, a surprise. Hey, you have this, maybe you know, a small, small percentage of them are that because of some extraneous circumstance, or like I said, a genetic predisposition. But most of the time, it's going to be people have developed this over time. As for what should we get lots of fruits, veggies, good grains, you know, if you're uh, celiac disease or gluten intolerant, there are still grains out there for you that you can have, you just have to do some research into which ones. But as long as you get that good fiber, and you're training your gut to digest good food, you should be happy and healthy 
for a long time, you know, never a guarantee, but, you know, especially cruciferous vegetables are going to be, are shown to extend life expectancy as well as to what we should be avoiding. You know, I, I'm going to get a little bit of flack for this, but, you know, and full disclosure, I do eat plant-based as well. So I'm not saying this as, you know, the militant vegan, I'm saying this just of health and, you know, studying this uh, meat, especially processed and red meat uh, should be avoided. The, not only is it classified by the world world health organization as a class one carcinogen for processed and class two carcinogen for uh, red meat, but also it does cause inflammation in the body. Uh, Red meat especially has been shown to lead to colorectal cancer and IBS, uh, irritable bowel diseases as well. And just all that inflammation and nastiness in the gut. So red meat, animal products in general. So dairy, uh, cheese, milk, ice cream, especially processed sugars, all that kind of, you know, stuff that we normally eat when we're stressed out or worried. That's not exactly conducive to a healthy gut biome. And that basically just makes the the bad kind of bacteria grow and get out of control. Red meat, I can quite easily avoid because I do, but that ice cream thing. I just, <laughs> I know, I know it's, especially when we're stressed out. Another thing to avoid would be stress and in general. And I know that sounds ridiculous. Like, how am I supposed to avoid stress? I live, don't I? Like I have a life and I agree, but it's just, you know, maybe finding a hobby or finding, you know, 15 minutes out of your day to do meditation or sitting down when you eat to appreciate the food that you've made and to just think about eating all these kinds of things can just lead to an overall improvement in health. And, you know, I've seen it in myself, you know, I was a student, I was not too long ago, I was a student, I was eating on the go, I was like, okay, you know, got to study while I eat and do all that kind of, and it wreaks havoc on you, it absolutely wrecks your ability to digest your food. And when you can't digest your food, your gut does it for you. And a lot of times you don't like the results. And interestingly, you know, sort of 16 months into COVID, I know a few people who, obviously Zoom is our friend, has been our friend, but they would actually, as a large family spread out, say, okay, let's just meet for dinner. And they would talk about what they'd created, and they would actually create really nice meals. For dinner, they were eating by themselves physically, but you know the whole family was there on the monitor, so that was kind of nice. Yeah, interesting just about uh, and you really think about what we put into our faces. And, you know, at my age, it's probably too late for me to have an effect on my children. But um, definitely we, you know, at my age, we have grandchildren that come to visit and we can uh, just help convince them that. Uh, and I think I enjoy the social side of a meal with other people. So, you know, when you've got good food and the social side, it sounds like that's conducive to good gut health yeah. in many ways. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, we are social creatures by evolution. So we've evolved and become accustomed to eating together. Um, it's only recently that we've started kind of, you know, sitting in front of the computer and watching, a, you know, watching TV or watching YouTube while we eat. And, you know, that goes kind of against our own makeup, you know, sitting down in front of the news and watching a scary newscast while you're eating, that's, you know, that doesn't exactly add up to a, a healthy gut. So I'm, you know, I'm really happy that people can still get together in this time and still get together and just have a meal, even if it's in front of Zoom, 
it's something, it's that interaction, it's that happiness, you know, that actually helps digest. Well, and I know just a little personal anecdote is when things started to open up is we've got a trampoline in the backyard for my grandchildren and it's a fairly good size one. So I just put all of the different dishes around the outside of the trampoline and we ate outside. We could, you know, do a bit of distancing but it was still that eating together, which was lovely. It was really, really oh, nice. That's so, nice. Yeah. Now, you mentioned the environment and stress. Whether it's you know external air pollution or internal stress, it sounds like that does have an effect on our gut and our gut health. Absolutely. So to, to put it in perspective, and this is kind of an interesting analogy, and it kind of blew my mind when I first heard it, but human beings are essentially just a fleshy tube, right? So we have a mouth. And we have a back end. And what happens is that the food goes through that, but it never really leaves the outside, right? It's, it's, you know, our, our bodies have valves. Our digestive system has valves that close off one section or another. But when you look at it on an, on an anatomy chart, it is a straight tube that links the outside with the inside. Right. And so, and so especially the food we eat and environmental factors. So if we're eating foods that are covered in, toxins if we're eating food that are covered in that's covered in pesticides or chemicals or we're just eating chemicals in general that will absolutely have an effect on not only just the gut bacteria but our bodies in general because everything that's on the outside has to happen in the inside it ends up going into the inside air pollution is another thing too basically if we have a hard time breathing or we have a hard time just existing in our environment, say it's terrible, say you're, you're in a big city and it smells like sour milk, right? Or something like that. It has an effect on the body. It has an effect on your mind. And it's very stressful, very, you know, it puts you into that fight or flight mode, right? When we're in that fight or flight mode, and this includes stress as well, we don't digest food as we should. The body kind of says, okay, no, we're in a situation right now where we have to be quick on our feet. We can't be worrying about digestion. The body sends all the blood from the gut to our muscles because we're always stressed and worried and all that kind of stuff. And you'll, and you'll find it's, it's actually pretty apparent. So when you go to eat something and you're stressed out, it sits in your stomach for a long time until you, until you relax, until you sit down. Then you actually, and you'll find you fall asleep almost instantly. So you sit down after you know, a stressful day, you scarf down a meal and then you just pass out because all of that energy now is going to digest food because you can finally relax. Yeah. The, the body. And I, again, I'm, I'm digressing a little bit, but like stress in general is probably the big factor in gut issues as well as just inflammatory issues around the body. There are a lot of people and myself included that says the root of most, if not all disease is inflammation and stress well, I should say prolonged stress is one of the main f- causes of inflammation. Right. And, I, you know, we've had a number of guests on the podcast over the, the last several months that have really emphasized that whole meditation and, you know, just relaxing in and whether it's exercise or just all those things that internalize lowering that stress level and uh, getting back in touch with the internal as opposed to the external. You had a really good point there about like with the environment is, you know, I, I think about it in terms of what could be on that vegetable that I bought at the store um, or where it's been grown, but also 
the, the shape of the environment is a mental stress as well. So it becomes an internal stress in that regard too. So that, yeah, good, good point there. Mm-hmm. Keenan, this is really good information. I really appreciate it. And there's been a real few aha moments um, as you've been talking. What haven't I asked you that maybe you could add thinking, especially at the over 50 demographic? Yeah. So in terms of, well, what haven't you asked me there? I mean, there's a library of stuff that even I've forgotten over, over the time. So I don't think we have time to go over everything and anything, but you know, the, one of the big things is education, right? We don't learn this stuff in school anymore. Sure. We go over the four food groups and stuff, but it never really gets taught to us what our gut does, what the importance of gut bacteria and eating healthy and eating organic, what all this does. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a thing where parents and grandparents have that opportunity to teach their, their kids and their grandkids about what is interesting and, you know, what's, what's healthy and what's not. So like I said before, we kind of inherit our habits from the people who raise us. So it's never really too late to, to start doing that. It's always, it's people say, Oh, you can't teach an old dog, new tricks. I completely disagree. And so with the, so with the bacteria in your gut for that matter too, because, you know, it's never too late to change. It's never too late to say, change the food you eat. And yeah, there's going to be some growing pains. There's going to be, you know, maybe a couple of weeks of gas and bloating and all that kind of stuff. But once you've trained the gut bacteria to do what you need to, to do what they need to do, then you should be chugging along just fine. And, you know, I, I just got to stress again, you know, if you have a serious gut issue, don't just all of a sudden start chugging down a load of spinach and thinking it's going to help, right? Absolutely consult your doctor or consult a nutritionist and figure out how to ramp yourself down and then build back. Right. And just two points there is, first of all, in a previous life, I was a wellness consultant. So I had both um, you know, exercise physiology courses and nutrition courses and within those nutrition courses, you've still covered a few things today that I went, I didn't know that. <laughs> so education, absolutely. And then just in terms of you talked about you might have a few weeks of discomfort. You know, if anybody picks up an exercise, you know, whether it's sit-ups or running, you got those sore muscles for a few weeks as your body adapts. And because it's sort of this thing that you're really thinking about doing, the physical thing, you sort of, oh, you'll pay the price. It's not a big deal. But when it's an internal thing, like our gut, we sort of go, oh, well, that just proves it doesn't work. Well, no, it just sounds like you just stick with it. And uh, and hopefully that all settles down. So Yeah, there's there's always going to be pains associated with gains. Yeah, right? true. So. <laughs> Yay, Jane Fonda. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, okay, if I can ask you a personal question. Um, you're yeah. young. You haven't had your credentials a long time. And I want to interject there with credentials insofar as I love talking to young people with credentials because you got the newest information. So that's great. (laughs) COVID must really have messed up your plans. You know, the possibility of building a practice. I think you said that's why I found you at the store. How are you going to start building your career once we're completely out of the woods with this pandemic? Well, you know what? I, you know, hopefully it all goes smoothly and according to plan, but Basically, what I plan to do is I plan to get out there again, start handing out cards, pamphlets, flyers, the whole shebang. But I also plan on doing seminars, right? Teaching Uh people a group of 25, 50, once we can actually hold, you know, 
more than 50 people in a room together, get a hundred people in, get to just hold like a nice seminar and just teach people about health and wellness, about how eating the right food is not just a, a, you know, a thing that your mom used to tell you when you were young. If you want to grow up big and strong, you got to eat your veggies, right? It's not just that. It's, do you want to live a long and healthy life? Do you want to age to 80, 90, you know, even a hundred and not feel anything? You know, it's, it's funny because I talk to a lot of people in, in public, you know, my friends, a lot of people I, I work with. And one of the common things I hear is, oh, I don't want to be 90 years old. That sounds atrocious. And it's not, right? It doesn't have to be. Yes, people, and it's because people have that kind of, that conception of, oh, I'm going to get old. I'm going to get broken. You know, stuff breaks down along the way. It doesn't have to, right? What we put in is what we get out. It's just like any other machine. It's just like any other hobby. It's it's what we put into the effort of maintaining ourselves is what we get out of it. So I would love to be able to teach people that. I would love to be able to work with a group of people. I want to eventually do YouTube videos so that people who can't come to a to a seminar can get their information regardless. I want to put more information out there. It's tricky now with, with YouTube and Facebook and all that kind of stuff, especially with the pandemic hanging over our heads. They tend to censor anything that's, you know, alternative health related, you know, I say in quotes, but seriously, I would love to be able to just teach people. That is my absolute goal. And if I can do that and I can keep people from potentially losing someone or watching someone go, you know, a little bit off with dementia or watching someone who they know deteriorate. That's if I can stop that, even one person, it's worth it. Yeah, sort of a sad situation where, you know, you just use the word alternative and the fact that really healthy living, eating has become alternate and drugs and interventions have become the norm and the accepted norm. I mean, it's just kind of sad. Okay, well, I have your business card. I'm going to keep it. (laughs) (laughs) So with your qualifications and the subject matter, can you consult long distance then? You just talked about YouTube, so I guess to a certain extent you can. Or is in-person better? Like, Well, you know, it's... I like that you asked me that because that's uh, that's kind of the crux of my whole practice, right? I developed a a mobile practice for a reason. So I my main consultation vector that I wanted to have would be house calls because I wanted to be able to meet with someone face to face. I wanted to be able to, and especially people who can't necessarily get out to see an office, right? Sometimes it's a little bit of a pain to schlep all the way out to say, you know, Lankford or to Colwood or to Royal Oak or something like that. It's a little bit of a pain to get across Victoria at times. I wanted to be able to alleviate that. I want to be able to go to where people are and meet with them because a face-to-face consultation is you get something, you get to be able to see how they are in their own space. You get to kind of read the emotions, read the body language and just see someone where they're comfortable at and for who they are. I can I can work with people. One of the things I learned in school was Ayurveda, right? So the Indian model of looking at health and and wellness. And with that I, you know, learned to look at the eyes, the mouth, the tongue, the the nails, all that kind of stuff. So in person is 
kind of really important to me because I get to see the person as a whole. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say too, that obviously I don't know you well, but from your manner, you seem like a, a really lovely gentleman. And if you're one-on-one in someone's home, you can actually open the kitchen cupboards and, you know, you're not going to go like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, you're going to say, okay, this is really good. This, you know, maybe you need to start getting, you know, tuning out. So I can see where one-on-one is, is great. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's, it's nice that you mentioned that because that was another thing too. You know, if someone wants to so- show me what supplement they're on or what medication they're on, they don't have to go, oh shoot, I forgot that. I need to go home and get it. I'll see you next week. It's literally like, I'm going to go to my bathroom and get it out of the medicine cabinet or here's my, my supplement jar that I usually take. So it's, it's more convenient for everybody. Now that having been said, house calls and pandemics don't typically mix all that well. So I am available for video consultation. So I do have a computer set up. I do have the ability to work with someone online. And I also have the ability to just do phone consultations as well. I can, a chat over the phone is still better than nothing at all. Uh, I do prefer at least a video call just because it helps with looking at the problem face-to-face. So if I can get a picture or an idea of what I'm working with when it comes to say a a psoriasis patch or say inflammation on the face, it it helps to be able to see it, but I can absolutely just do phone calls even if necessary. So just, and this is a a total naive question. If, if we're talking face to face here now, if I leaned into my camera and, you know, like obviously I've taken my glasses off or stuck out my tongue, like, can you still do that sort of, or can you get an idea over a video call? I can absolutely get like a pretty good idea as long as the the picture quality is not too bad, right? If someone's using uh using a colloquial term for it, a potato for a, a webcam, you know, it, it can be <laughs> kind of heard difficult. That one. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's uh that's you know kind of kind of the mid thirties parlance of it. It's like it's so bad it might as well just be a toaster oven. Oh, okay. Right. So or a potato. But if someone's using a fairly like decent quality camera, like even a smartphone is enough for me to, you know, at least look at the problem and see where, what, how we're doing. Okay. So, so for someone that's uh, listening to us right now and they live across the globe, they live in Australia, what should they look for when they're looking for a holistic nutritionist? Is there, are there standardized qualifications or is it sort of region specific or do you know that? I I don't want to put you on the Uh, spot. Yeah, not a problem. You know, there are region specific qualifications, like even within Canada, the different provinces have different rules and regulations on what a holistic nutritionist is and what they're allowed to do. So for instance, in Alberta, uh, holistic nutritionists, last time I checked, at least, uh, they're able to diagnose you and treat you, right? They're allowed to figure out what the problem is, say, this is my treatment recommendation. And so they're allowed to be very, very direct as to what what they're allowed to say. If you go somewhere like Eastern Canada, for instance, in the Maritimes, there's a little bit of a of a more strict policy on what they're allowed to say and what they're allowed to do. BC is kind of a middle ground, right? I'm not allowed to uh, diagnose and or treat, but I can raise someone's overall level of health. And by doing that, sometimes these issues just kind of tend to resolve themselves. Uh, I always say the body is not... I'm not, I'm not going to do something to cure you. I'm just going to show you how to, how to stop stopping your body from fixing itself. Right. Right. Good. 
Okay, so where can people find out more about you, Keenan Fiddler? So me, I am, you can go to my website, which is naturalnutrition.me. I chose the .me because .com and .ca were taken and I didn't really feel like .ninja or .space was appropriate. (laughs) So I decided to go with the .me or you can just email me directly at naturalnutrition91 at gmail.com. Good. And I'll put that information in the show notes for sure. Thank you. So listeners, thank you so much for tuning in for Manly Monday. I've wanted to tackle the subject of gut health for some time, so finding Keenan was really a gift. Uh, we'll be back next month on the last Monday of the month. Not sure who will be my guest, so make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss anything. I've not sh- I'm not sure if you've noticed the other Monday episodes we've been airing recently. Marvelous Mondays, the story goddess remembers. Marsulaika is my co-host, and she's on sabbatical. But one of her current projects is revisiting the most memorable stories of her career in investigative journalism, both as a researcher and a producer. Every second Monday, we come on air to discuss the stories, some of which you're going to remember for sure. Uh, For example, Air India, that aired last week. Please feel free to share any or all of the episodes. Leave stars wherever you listen to podcasts. It does help us grow. Uh, if you have comments on today or any day's show, you can leave them where you listen to podcasts or at the website to boomerwomen.com forward slash join dash the dash conversation. Keenan, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you sharing your knowledge. And as I say, even though I considered myself somewhat knowledgeable, um, I really had some really good aha moments. So thank you for that. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate uh, the opportunity. And I, I, this was fantastic. Well, have a good rest of the week.